Hello everyone, welcome to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on this evening. Hope everybody's doing well. Glad to be back on with my good friend, Pete Kalen. We are here to do our uh, weekly UConn football chat. And Pete's a former Husky football player. He's an alumni, for those who don't know. Pete, glad to have you back on, buddy. Hey, glad to be back, Bobby. And uh, glad to be talking about the Huskies again. Absolutely. And obviously the game this past weekend against Utah State didn't end the way that Husky fans would want it to. It it was one of those games at the end of the game where you're just kind of like dumbfounded. So I'm glad we've had a little bit of time to think about it. But I guess to open, what what are your thoughts initially from the game? Well, there are some good things that came about and some things that were ripping your hair out. I mean, especially with me being a former defensive back at the school, and we can touch on it a little bit. Um, But the positives were uh, the offense showed up. Mm -hmm. The offense that we expected to see at the beginning of the year, it it looked the part. And uh, the coordinator looked the part. I think, uh, you know, Nick Charlton did a great job in calling the game, making the adjustments he needed to. It would have been nice to see earlier in the year but um, the things that we talked about off air in terms of um, just recognizing the types of facts and possibly um, line play that we had to incorporate other plays to complement what they like to do um, from a baseline standpoint were, were shown this, this week and it really complimented, I think, everybody and all the skill sets that they have on offense. I think um, running power plays, running inside zone duo to complement the outside zone and running stretch, which is like a zone play that's designed to bounce either outside the tight end or inside the tight end, I think, you know, worked really well with the backs they had. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised by Cam Edwards. I, I love his running style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if he gets a little faster, he can be what Nate Carter was because he has that extra fight in him. I, you know, backs like him that always seem to fall forward and always get an extra yard, you know, catch my attention. And when they do so, you know, with the speed he has, he showed this week. And, you know, off of one cut and getting downhill, I th- I thought uh, they got something in him. Um, there's one play toward the end of the third quarter where he was running sideways and got hit by a 250-pound linebacker still got a yard and a half, which I was like, whoa, okay. You know, this kid needs to get fed a little bit more. And I think the way that they complimented him with Rosa, Rosa with him, yeah, the way they utilized Rosa in the passing game, uh, got him involved out of the backfield. Uh, the way they, they mixed up play action, finally let uh, TR throw down field a little bit more. And he he put some dimes out there. He sure he did. Looked the quarter, part of a quarterback. I think they finally got the rhythm that they've been looking for. And I think they just need to need to do it. They, they have the offense to play with people. They have the offense to score, obviously. 
Um, they just got to let it fly, you know, and, uh, you know, continue to do what they did this week. I absolutely agree. I, I echo your sentiments on how Coach Charlton called the game. I mean, I think he did a really, really good job this week. And I I, I absolutely agree with you on Cam Edwards. I mean, I, I think it was really just refreshing to see, like you said, he makes one cut and goes, and he falls forward like he's saying. I mean, that's that's hard to find. It is, especially, you know, when they're de-emphasizing contact so much. It's yes. hard to find a running back that likes to engage like that. Um, and when you have one, you better keep, you know, better use them, find a way to keep them because, you know, you don't find them as often as you used to. Um, and speaking of contact, man, I'll keep using Jelani Stafford as a fullback <laughs> as much as possible. I mean, if you think about the physics of the game, man, like – I was thinking, I'm surprised you don't see more 300-pound fullbacks because, you know, back in the day, you know, Walter Payton was running through everybody, but linemen back then were 260 pounds. They're like 300, 320. That means Walter Payton had to be like 240 and 5'10", running 4'5". So, you know, when you got guys like with the athletic ability Jelani has to, you know, add something to that offense, shoot, use them more. Let's, Let's see how far this goes with him. If he's in condition to do it, let him do it. Let him play both ways. I agree. Um, he's a weapon. Um, they they got something developing uh, where you know they can use pieces and they're unique pieces. And I like the fact that you know calling yourself a running game, a run oriented offense, you ran the ball with the diversity you did this week. You need to do that and open up the passing game and everything else. Um, I think it gave the offense and the offensive players a lot of confidence. And you can say for the first time in a long time, the offense definitely was not the reason uh, for any kind of uh, pitfalls that um, the Huskies went through in, in a game. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I remember having Jelani on the show in the summer and then off air, I remember asking him like, Hey man, I, I know you were running. And I asked him on the show, like, I know you were running back with how, how much would you like to be involved? And he, he of course was like, Hey, it'd be cool. And all this and that. But then off the air, I'm like, Hey, how would you really feel? And he's like, man, I, he's like, I'd love to. And you can just see it when he's out there. Like he's a beast for one, but he just enjoys it so much. And you can tell he's having so much fun. And like you said, I mean, the physics of it, he's six foot, 300 pounds. There's uh, a force is going to stay in motion for, for a long while when they're that size. So give the man the ball and let him go to work. <laughs> I think so. And a big thing that I think was discovered this week is, you know, especially when the momentum is not going as positively as you want, you need somebody to give spark, somebody to give an ener- energy. They mm-hmm. found two players that did so to complement, you know, the, the, some of the guys that were already doing so. You know, Edwards, I think, added to the offense. Jelani obviously added more to it. Along, with, you know, Victor comes to play every week, right? Um, and you know, along with the offensive line, the offensive line worked together as a unit. Um, I got to compliment the center whose name is escaping me. Had a much better game. Yukari Walker. Yukari Walker. Yes, yeah. he had 
was much better this week. And Absolutely. I, I think uh, they showed it uh, in the way that they they you know basically gathered up the rushing yards. The only thing that was maybe a shortcoming was a, a couple of fourth and shorts or third and shorts where they didn't convert. Um, they got to find a way to to do so if they're going to continue to do that. Um, you know, and big number 97 is, is a huge answer. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, again, finding, you know, I'm pretty sure Charlton has enough in his playbook to, you know, to add to that. But anything to continue to give the kids confidence in terms of reestablishing that physical identity that they established so well last year, I think will, will add to their confidence and add to the efficiency of the offense, the operations of the offense. Absolutely. And the utilizing the play action really, really helped this week. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a simple statement, but it's true when, you know, the running game works, like Morris said, it opens up everything else based Mm -hmm. on what they do. And, um, it showed and it allowed them to, you know, put certain pieces in, in motion in the passing game, allow Porter to get, you know, get behind, on one particular uh, TD pass, you know, where they were pounding the rock, pounding the rock, and then, you know, Taekwon laid one over yep. and got him in the end zone. And, uh, you know, and with that said, I think getting him in a rhythm allowed him to, when he had to take it, you know, shot, especially toward the end, the gunner, he did. And he did so with accuracy. And, you know, Cam Ross made a big play toward the end of the game. And yep. that's what you need. You know, uh, particularly in a pro style offense, you need those oper- you need those those things to work together, complementary. Um, so those those units on the offense work very well, complementary. Which uh, you can't say the same for special teams and defense. Unfortunately, to complement the offense during the game, and that's where things kind of went south. Absolutely, and. I, I know you as a former DB. I mean, that had to be eating at you pretty heavily there. Well, you know what's perplexing to me is, um, unfortunately, you know, this call spade a spade. They've lost two games for this team. Um, and you know, as a DB, you kind of have this unwritten rule where, you know, mentally or physically. If you're leaning, you get beat. You know, it literally happened against FIU where our corners up and press, and they thought they could just lean without pressing, without moving their feet, and they got blown, you know, got blown out and beat on two plays that were factors in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, This week, it was more from a communication and, and technical the mental standpoint and wasn't just the players on the field. It was admitted afterwards that, you know, there was a wrong call made, which was also a factor that played in another game. So that that's happened twice, you know, defensive backs are kind of like certain units in the military. Uh, you know, I, I, I think a special ops when it comes to mind, it's like if, if they mess up the whole world goes to, you know what? Yep. You know, it's not like any other unit on that field. If they if they mess up even a little bit, 
the, the whole world turns to to crap. And with that, I think everybody has got to look in the mirror and just say from a baseline operation standpoint, even any inkling toward making a mistake and making an error is not acceptable. You cannot operate that way. And I'm pretty sure that Buster, but really hard not to do that. But there has to be a certain certainty when you play that position where you know, you don't think, you don't believe, you know. Mm-hmm. You know the communication is going to be sound and you're going to be in position to play. You know you're going to apply the right technique in certain situations and you're going to be in position to make the play and you make those plays. Period. End of story. Drop the mic. That has not happened this season. Um, it started happening toward the end of last season, but... Those guys are not playing together as a unit they need to be in order to be that special ops group. Um, they're dependent upon to just have their baseline operations sound, and that's not happened. That's not acceptable. Um, you know, just the four touchdowns that, that occurred in the game. Um, first one was a blown call. Um, and, you know, we kind of discussed off of air, you know, how important was that before the half, you know, in a normal circumstance, you might say, you know, it's not really important because, you know, it occurred. You, you might say, you know, it occurred in something that we can control. But, you know, if that happens from, let's say, the command or the coaches before a half, you know, players, I don't care what you say, they're going to start questioning, you know, wondering, okay, am I going to be put in that position again? Right. And it might not make them as aggressive to execute things moving forward. So it's it's incumbent on the coaching staff to get the call right in the right situation. You know, looking at that, you know, I thought it was like a quarter-quarter half coverage and then the safety messed up. But then, you know, looking at it again after they said it was uh, a blown call, it looked like a spot coverage where – you know, the safety was supposed to be aggressive on the guy he was he he came down on, but that left a lane to be snuck through behind by the number one receiver. Corner didn't corner didn't act in time, and he got into an open lane and scored. Uh, just make the right call if that's the wrong call. Um, second play, second touchdown looked like a miscommunication. Yeah, looked like everybody else was doing was doing man coverage except for that corner. And again, in the in the red zone, that can't happen. You know, if you run in cover one and some someone is thinking it's zone, it's done. You're going to get toasted, and they got beat. Again, communicate with amongst one another. The third one um, was an unacceptable error as a, as a corner in terms of contain. Your secondary contain on runs and. You contain on screen passes, and you know Malcolm's just got another situation. He's he's he likes to be physical, and you know admire that about him. He he's a dog when he's played. He's plays and when he's aggressive. But you got to know the circumstance. You're not going to bull rush a, a guy that outweighs you by fifty pounds, right? And so on that screen play, you might have to, especially with three yards of room between where you're getting blocked and the sideline, you might have to lose ground enough to reestablish hard your your leverage outside just to make that guy cut inside toward the pursuit that you know or trust that's coming. It's just situational awareness that comes from from playing. Um, 
but you cannot and you have to fight to get outside um and then the the fourth one it looked like again another communication where you know sharon was looking like he was looking for a call by the time he got it receiver was two steps on him and he had a sprint he almost still made the play but again it's just one of those things with with operations that just got to get cleaned up mm-hmm. it looks to me and uh everything is in their control that's the good news but that that competitive intensity and that maturity the kind that reflects that you know that video that i shared with you on twitter about that leopard yes dropping from a 200 foot cliff and not letting go of that sheep out of its mouth despite hitting cliff after cliff after cliff that kind of sacrifice that kind of intensity has to be brought out by the secondary and everybody else on this team and, and we have guys that do that. It's just it has to be a collective effort. It has to be with everyone. Um, just like with the secondary, everybody has to have that mentality where your baseline operations and the way in which you do things, there's no compromise and no, no, no situation that will be bring about a mistake. And this happened in other situations, like there was a, for instance, like a third and one opportunity on offense where one of the few times they didn't give the ball to Jelani out of that T formation, they gave it to Victor, and the tight end totally skipped blocking the edge player on a power play, and he ends up making the play for a loss. And the most egregious one was with a simple execution by another tight end. Maybe that that room has to have a you know come to Jesus look in the mirror meeting as well, where all he had to do was step inside, and you deter the path of the guy to end up blocking. Who has a history of blocking kicks? He blocked two kicks last year. That should be in your scouting report. There was no excuse for him not to step down and do his baseline operational job of cutting down the inside gap. That's what he's responsible for. And those are those little things that you cannot do you're not good enough to get away with it. and even if you were and you were in a championship mentality you would not accept that right so it's it's that it's a competitive maturity that this whole team has to realize there it's just like uh you know, you hear the biblical verse, you know, for a man to get to heaven, you have to walk through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. It's a figurative speech, but it just means that that path and that, you know, what you do along that path is very finite. There's there's things that are, are, are plainly stated that you have to do to be successful. You got to do them. There's no compromise. And it's what that's what this team has to recognize and it has to recognize and enlighten now of not necessarily the, the the paradigm shift is you're not sneaking up on anybody anymore. You're the hunted team. You are a hunted team. You're you're a hunted team in terms of people knowing that you are a team that was successful last year. You're a hunted team in terms of all the talk you got as a six win team in conference expansion. You're a hunted team because you have a bunch of jealous programs, jealous you know 
opposing players that are mad because of the talk you got. That still might think disrespectfully, you're garbage. What are you going to do about it? The only way you do about what thing you do about it is either you do one or two things. Either you you curl up in the in the corner, decide how you're going to get your butt beat, or you turn around and start swinging. And the way you start turning around and start swinging is not literally, but the way you prepare, and the way you battle, and the way that you have to go to war. The details are in how you battle and how you go to war. I absolutely agree. And you and I, as former head coaches, understand that detail aspect. I mean, that was our job for a while. What 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 are I know you've you've talked about it a little bit, but what do you feel are some of those little extra details that they really need to focus on? Importance. I think it's mental. I think these kids are making the effort, the physical effort, to do things. But you got to recognize that um, just because you do things doesn't put you on necessarily cruise control to accomplish things. Mm-hmm. No one's going to give you anything on that field, okay? Um, you know, when I was when I was a, I used to be a player. I used to think that I love used to I used to love playing the game because I I used to think that you know, despite everything that everybody talks or wants to say how good they are, where they come from, you can't bring that on the field. That. You know, once you're in between those green lines, it's just you and that person as a player. And whoever wants it more is going to want it more. And I always thought I, I wanted it more. And, and anybody that would have said where they come from, brag where they come from, I already had an advantage. As you get older, as you coach, you know, you start to appreciate some, some more nuance and detail, especially when dealing with life situations outside of football. Mm. And you come to discover that, you know, that line in the Empire st- Strikes Back, that scene where Luke goes into the cave, one of the most underratedly powerful movie scenes of all time, philosophically, in my opinion. And Luke senses something in the cave, and he turns to Yoda and says, you know, what's in there? And Yoda says, only what you take with you. And Luke proceeds to go in there, and he says, your weapons, you don't need them. It ends up being a test anyway. Luke goes in, battles his fears. Turns out that what he fears most ends up being a reflection of himself. When the mask explodes and he sees his face in the mask of Darth Vader. You know, it's kind of the same thing where in the football field, you actually do bring in everything. But it's a matter of compartmentalizing and prioritizing what's most important. Um... This team, in my opinion, has brought in more complacency than I think they believed just because of, like Coach Morris said, they have to learn how to deal with success. And one of the harder lessons they're dealing with is now being the hunted. I think this team worked extremely hard. I think they did everything they said they did in the offseason, being prepared. The only thing you can't prepare for in, in workouts is the kind of effort and kind of intensity teams that collectively when they decide to work together to beat you they come at with the intensity to beat you and the only way you answer that by making sure your P's and Q's are in order 
and then your effort is maniacal, like Coach Morris says, in executing every single component of every single thing you do to the high level that's higher than the opponent, and you win the game. And you got to do that in a way where you feel like almost like you're going to die out there on that field. Mm-hmm. And that's the only answer I have for this team. Are you really literally willing to give your life in that moment or feel like you are instead of just going through the motions or going through what you're programmed or you sense you program yourself to do? That's what's going to take to turn things around. And the the last question I would like to ask you involving this game, you, you talked greatly about the block texture point play and what happened there. Would you, as a coach, gone for two in that situation? Yes. Because mm-hmm. the momentum, the momentum was so strongly with you, then it went back in their favor, and then you got it back so strongly on that last drive. I would have just, I just would have went for it. Yeah. And uh, I would have, I would have gambled on the players. And say, okay, go get it done, you know. And they could have either turned to a victory or another teaching moment along the lines of what I just talked about in terms of hey, you got to maybe bring a little bit more to guarantee victory and just, you know, either again to get the victory or let it, let it sting enough to where they will do something about it themselves. So, I mean, they still could have. I mean, you right. have to, you right. have to, you have to block people on yes. the extra point. You know, that, that should, 99 out of 100 times, that should have happened. But to have it so egregious where you didn't even step like that, that's that's not acceptable. You're better than that. That player is better than that. And uh, I believe he's going to make up for it somewhere down the road mm-hmm. um, along with everybody else. But this whole team is better than, than those few plays that cost them that game. Absolutely. We, we saw that throughout the game. Right. Well, turning turning the corner from a tough loss, obviously, I mean, uh, I, I think that the thing that you you tell your players is like, I mean, obviously we're 0-5, but the, the, the sting from this loss in particular, coming into Rice, you tell your you tell the guys like remember this and take it out on the next opponent. Um. Yes and no. Like, I would want them to remember. Hey, look what you were capable of doing when you operated with your A game offense. You defense, you know what you're capable of doing when you operate on your A game. Special teams, you know what you're capable of doing when you operate on your A game. Let's compliment one each, one another. Have a total team effort and get out there and operate and be successful the way we, we should be. The, the, the biggest opponent to UConn this year has been the UConn Huskies. Yes. Period. Absolutely. It's been nobody else. It's been the UConn Huskies. The UConn Huskies got to stop beating the UConn Huskies. That's it. That's 100% right there. So focus on yourself. When you start 
making the UConn Huskies win and do the things they're capable of winning, the opponents, you're going to be fine in dealing with them. You're going to be fine in winning games. You have more talent than you did last year. You found a way to win these games. Rice is very talented. They have their program on the upswing. They have a, a quarterback and, and a group of receivers that are very talented. Um, but this group is capable. Again, you know, especially with the secondary. Stop beating yourself. Right. You know, work together. You know, you got a front seven that is more than capable of doing stuff. Um, work together, complement each other, those units. Stop beating yourself. Go out there and start working together and, and put the team together in a way that you want to. What are you waiting for? So that's what I would say to the team. It's totally within their control. And, and you that's where you want to be. You want it to be things that you can fix, things that you can control. You don't want it to be those outside things. I mean, the fact that we can control our controllables to fix these things it is it's big. It's huge. I mean, contrary to what some people might say on X and other places, <laughs> this team is not as out of control as their broadcast to be. Um, and I like, I, I, I know those voices like to make the players and everybody think they're the majority of the fan base, and they're not. Um, a bunch of people that like to think that they're important, think that they have a voice, and the players have got to realize not to, a not to listen to them, right? Have their peeps not listen to them, okay? And uh, you know, just go out there and play. You know. Um, the Northeast fan base likes success, and the key to your success is, A, don't even focus on what they want. Focus on what you want. Remember why you play this game from when you are a little kid, because you love this game. Love this game. Give the game all you can by preparing as well as you can. Give this game all you can by trusting yourself to go out and perform the way you're capable of performing. And eliminate the mistakes you've been making to have the UConn Huskies beat the UConn Huskies. That's all you owe. And that's all these players need to think about. Those victories will come. Okay? Um, just go out and execute. Go out and play. And the results will start taking care of themselves. Start directing your efforts toward a winning culture back toward the brotherhood it was. Yes. And and play the way you're capable of playing. That's it. It's a simple thing to do. It's simple when you think about it. A lot of outside distractions that are trying to be brought up on this team, they don't have to take any responsibility for any of it other than their play and other than correcting themselves and, and, and going out there and performing to the highest standard that they know they can. That's it. Absolutely. You, you and I have had lengthy conversations together about 
some of the nonsense uh, comments that we see and in he, in here on Twitter, message boards, wherever it may be. And I vocalized myself in the previous podcast that I did. And I know you and I could just go for hours and hours about this, but it is... Is, is there another fan base out there that is confusing on the topic of just some of the things that are that are thrown at or thrown out there it, it, it it's just mind-boggling to me like I said it's not the total totality of the fan base right it's right, not everybody right. um, it has to do a lot with a lot of history in the state it has nothing to do with the players mm-hmm you know, especially politically in terms of money going places and then disappearing or um, not going to programs or functions that they originally designed or set to do. It has nothing to do with the players. Um, some of the citizenry have, you know, for lack of a better term, PTSD, politi- political PTSD in terms of certain things, and it's not the players responsibility to focus on that um those people gotta look in the mirror and stop you know trying to blame other people for what they perceive um problems or directions of social righteousness should be and uh maybe speak to their local politicians about doing that in terms of uh programs outside of yukon athletics um, I know people want to harp about the cost of running an athletic program, but you want to be in the big time. This is what it costs, and this is what it takes. Right. And uh, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be big time. And uh, I say go for it. UConn, go for big time. Absolutely. And it's... I try not to focus on it anymore and give these people the attention that they want mm-hmm. uh, because that's what it is. Right. Um, they they try to, in my, for lack of a better term, try to pimp the the UConn athletics, the basketball program included, because they would say the same things about the basketball program when they're not successful to get clicks and get attention. That's all this is. And you know, as far as the football team and the football players, football players got to remember there have been other teams in the past that have had. Um, you know, futility issues in terms of success and have gotten themselves out of it. And most notably is uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers were losers for 40 years. And they had people come in their organization, change the culture. It took a little bit of time, but they ended up being one of the most prolific teams in the NFL. And Franco Harris, when he was interviewed, asked what was the difference between the new players and the older players. He said, quite frankly, and this is the attitude that the UConn players should take. We're not taking responsibility for what happened in the past. So don't. Amen. Some of y'all who come from winning programs, you know what it's like to win. You just have to you know, apply it at a higher level now. The competition's higher. Some of y'all have been through those experiences before. Go out there and go after it. That's all you have to do. Trust the man that's leading you. You know, you got a good staff. You know work together because that's all you have so but you have a powerful brotherhood go out there and be successful 
Absolutely. Amen, brother. I agree with everything you just said. It's it's about us. And like you've said continuously already, it's about the Yukon Huskies and us taking care of what we can take care of and what we need to focus on, what, 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 the things that we can control and everything. It's like what, what you, you've laid it out perfectly. And I mean, that's that's what we got to do. Yeah, you can't control what other people want to think, what, what people want to, what other people want to say. You can only control what you can control. Absolutely. So go out and do it. That's life too. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> there are people out there that are not going to like you for stupid reasons. And we can have a whole other podcast on that. Right. <laughs> but it is what it is. So, you know, go out there and do what you love to do, what you enjoy to do. You know, all y'all in the blue and white are capable of doing what you, you know, you're capable of making a bowl game, capable of winning more games. You had a little hiccup in the first five games. Okay. Go one and know this week. Yep. That's, go that's from there. it. Yep. Just go one and know. That's all you can do. Right. Stop letting UConn beat UConn. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, shifting to Rice a little bit here, I mean, it's pretty clear. You look at the statistics and what they want to do. I mean, they want to pass the football. They got JT Daniels, who's you and I have had great conversations about that in itself. And that, like you said, we that's a whole nother podcast we could have there. But we got to go up against the guy who's at his fourth school. And he can sling it. They got good receivers. They don't really want to run the football. But it's, it's going to present a test, obviously, for us. It's real simple when you play those teams. You play with discipline, keep things in front of you, and when they catch the ball, make them pay the price, period. It's going to be like a boxing match, and you got to make those receivers. You got to wear them down. Um, pass rush has to wear the offensive line down and get to the quarterback, make them uncomfortable, make them off balance, and throw, you know, throw in situations he's not comfortable in. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take. Uh, an all eleven effort to work on every play. Um, my challenge for the defensive line this week is to get more sacks. Um, yep. And you know, try to get more pressure on the quarterback. Um, if we do that, uh, combined with some of the you know good play calls in terms of blitzing and, and attacking their protections. I think we'll we're, we're be okay. Um, like I said, this team is capable. All the, you know, just make sure your operations are impeccable. And not for the sake of making them perfect, but because you're capable of doing it and you're, you're capable of playing at a high level. So just go out there and do it and just trust, trust yourselves and trust and go out there to perform. It's a simple executional kind of thing but it's going to take a lot of effort a lot of concentration on detail to do it but this this team and everybody on is more than capable of matching up with them my opinion i absolutely agree and looking at some of their film on their defensive side of things comparing to our offensive side that they've given up plenty of yardage on the ground which we all we all know. I mean, we're a run first team, so that things could set up nicely for us. But again, we still got to go out and execute. I think um, the strength of Nick Charlton is 
he knows how to formationally set up an, uh, a defense. I think if he does that, uh, with now the more, more diverse attack he has on, on running offense and maybe try to give just some subtly, subtle different looks and maybe make the defense adjust enough to create more bubbles in the offensive line or in the defensive line to run more downhill, I think will be successful. I mean, he's he's very good at that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when he has the full arsenal of the, of the offense and diversity of the run game, um, like he utilized this week. I, I'm hoping that they continue to do the same um, because I think if we start running downhill on people's throws with the offensive line, who's probably very eager to just come out and bash some people straight on, Mm-hmm. I think will be successful. Uh, I think it looks like Taekwon has found his rhythm a little bit. He just needs to continue to execute and be efficient with his passing. Um, and play within himself. Um, and then, you know, let it rip a couple times. You know, yep. I think you know, Ross, Porter, some other guys, Clarissius, they're eager to get deep. Um, I'd be interested to see how, you know, if you put all that speed all at once on the field like that, what would happen? I, I, I don't recall seeing Clercius, Ross, and Porter on okay. the field at the same time. I don't either, now that you say that. So I wonder, I wonder what would happen. Maybe, you know, something to look at. Yeah. I'm not going to tell, no. You know, if Coach Charles is listening, I'm not telling you how to coach, so you do what you need to do. But, um... But it's just an observation that I, I noticed. I'm just like, I'm just curious to know. Um, with, with, as fast as they probably all run, you know, maybe put them out there together and let's see what happens. I, I, that That's a fantastic idea. I, I haven't seen that either now that you say that. And wh- Then wh- what, are, what are your thoughts on some of the special teams I don't want to say miscommunication or confusion but some of the things that we can fix up there special teams is about you know effort some of it is the athleticism you put out there to to execute things um you know like with coverages, you know, you have to be really disciplined with your lanes and with your timing and establishing the lanes to get down there and cover kicks. Um, we just got to do a better job of getting to returner sooner, cutting lanes down and making tackles, gang tackles at the point of catch. Um, I don't know how you do that other than, you know, fix certain um, technical issues you might have in terms of getting blocked and initially or blocked enough off your path where, you know, you have to re you know, take extra steps to reestablish that path. Uh, but not go as vertically downfield as you need to. So those are things that the special team coordinator has to has to work on and, and reestablish with with the coverage teams. Um the return teams, the kick returns actually look closer than people think to breaking you know, if, if people stay on blocks a little bit longer, you know, take more precise angles to where they make contact, 
they maintain contact for a split second longer, maybe putting the the path of their their contact point and their, their nose to the V of the neck of, of folks, and try to be more uh, established in making that kind of contact where you know they they drive through a person, you know, have their blocking angles go through a person through the, the middle of their mass is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, some one of those things might break. And that, you know, broken kick returns. Those that's the effort of all eleven. And all eleven got to be on point. You know, one person breaks down. Usually, it results in ankle tackle or something. Just taking an extra pride, an extra focus again on your operations, how you do things um, on special teams, um, and having faith you can break one. Um, punt return. You know, they do what they do. They like to fair catch and play field position. Right, right. So, you know, it's just a little attention to details and execution of those details is what, you know, what turns special teams around. You know, taking a pride in doing so and doing so at a high intensity just knocks it up. Again, Huskies stop beating the Huskies. Absolutely. And to conclude... To conclude our conversation here, I, I, I want to ask you something that this isn't UConn related, but just as as a coach to a coach here, I'm, I'm sure our listeners have have seen uh, Trent Dilfer on the sidelines this weekend and him losing it on some of his coaches, uh, one of his assistants in particular. And uh, I, I know back when he was a high school head coach, he, he put his hands on a player um, but Pete, I would just like to hear your thoughts on that situation. I understand, obviously it's the heat, heat of the moment. Everybody is high emotion. It's high intensity. Uh, I I've been in that situation. Um, I'll speak to that on my personal podcast later on, but I would just like to hear your thoughts on that. You know, when you presented me this question before the podcast I was like you know I, I have this book in my library it's a great book for anybody who wants to be a coach or any position in leadership it's called um, Coaching the Mental Game by H.A. Dorfman H.A. Uh, Dorfman was a former I think general manager with the Oakland A's he talks about leadership the coaching position and when I saw that clip you know it was really, I was like, wow. And I just wondered if he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish by having that, that tirade. Mm. Um, the book talks in the beginning particularly about, you know, as a coach, you have uh, two types of power if you want to exercise them. One is a definite that comes with a position that actually says that you have positional power. But in order to maintain it, you have to maintain certain um, qualities with that and then the extra level of it is with personal power um, there's one quote that came in and when I read it it said effective leaders validate their authority every time they open every time they open their mouths and when I thought about that quote in the book and looked at Trent Dilfer and he didn't look like he was validating any kind of true authority. It looked like it was more of an emotional response that was over the top that didn't necessarily match what was right for the situation. 
um, it looked like he put his emotional outburst above what the situation called for. And anytime you do that as a coach, you really jeopardize your position in leadership. And to do it so demonstratively in public like that, uh, he's going to have a lot to make up for, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of share my personal experience with this. I, I had that happen to me when I was a very, very young assistant, just out of college, 21, first assistant college coaching job. Something on the order of that happened, and uh, that head coach lost a lot of respect in the locker room. And a couple, a couple years later, went at 23 I was the head coach and I mean I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal at all at all what what I'm trying to say is like that interaction matters to the people that are watching which is your players especially to a first year division one head coach yes yes I mean any any high school prospect that sees that right they're going to question, well, if I mess up, is he going to react that way to me? Right. I mean, there's different ways. There are different ways to get your message across. And the thing that you always got to remember is no matter what you might think, you might have to teach somebody your ways. No matter how old you might think they are or what kind of maturity you might think they may or should have. And that kind of knowledge takes connection and to a certain level and being able to interact with your players to see how they learn and how they absorb things and internalize things. Name the last any kind of relationship where positive messages are internalized interacting with someone like that right right i can't think of one no and and you won't right so i i appreciate i appreciate your thoughts on that and your just what you're saying there i i i just when i saw that i it, it hit me a little different i'm like man this this is not good I, obviously it's not good i mean you don't want to be seeing that but it's what it could do to that locker room. Time will tell, obviously. The only time I think that that kind of interaction is really justified is in a really, truly life-death situation where you're trying to protect somebody from making a mistake. Yes, absolutely. The last time I checked a football game is not a life-death situation where you got to react like that. Right, right. You know, for lack of a better term, unfortunately, it looks like Trent showed his butt a little bit too much. Yep. Yep. And I, it, it makes you wonder what could happen down the road if this is something that continues. Well, you know, everybody likes the prodigal son. So, you know, he's just got to act in ways that you know, balance that out. Um, and what that is, time will tell. Absolutely. I mean, it's not like he doesn't have an opportunity to do so. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
you know, time will tell what will happen. Um, you know, if he starts winning, honestly, no one's going to care. R- right. <laughs> winning cures all. <laughs> right. Right. You know, no matter how positive that might be or not, but if he starts, if he starts winning seventeen straight games after that, no one was going to remember a thing about this. This is true. <laughs> They're going to praise him as, as the next Nick Saban or whatever. So, um, you know, whether that's beneficial or not, you know, we don't know. I wouldn't say that's the most positive thing that could happen. Um, but you know, he's a human being, just like we all are. Right. Right. And you know, this this profession makes you. Look in the mirror a lot. Oh, it sure does. <laughs> and sometimes certain certain moments will expose certain things and where you have to look a lot harder and decide how you're going to act moving forward. And, you know, he's a human being like everybody else, and he's probably going to have a, have a desire in his heart to, to change. And, you know, I think... I'd like to think that the glass is half full and he'll be I'll be positive about it and that he'll find a way to do so. I hope so, too. I really do. Well, Pete, it's been a pleasure having you on. Again, I look forward to uh, continuing these chats weekly. It's uh, It's been great talking UConn football with you, and, I, and, and I'm sure the listeners will enjoy this as well. But uh, thank you again for joining me. Uh, again, it's been a pleasure and honor, and um, I think – I just want to say, if anyone's listening on the team, if anything I said hits you in, in some kind of way, just know that it's out of love for you guys, honestly. I just want to really see you succeed. Um, just trying to be truthful uh, in a way that'll help direct your path moving forward. So let's go get it, Huskies. Absolutely, buddy. Let the listeners know where they can follow you. You do a great job on uh, Twitter slash X. Uh, you can find me uh, uh, at x at p callen three three, and um, that's it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, listeners, thank you guys so much for joining. It's a blast to be able to do these for you. Love supporting the team, the program, and uh, hope th- we're we're here cheering for you guys. Go one to know this week and. Feel free to follow me personally at Coach underscore B Will and the, the podcast account at TNT College Foot One. Everybody have a good night. God bless and go Huskies. <laughs>